Today, of course, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Ghost upon the disciples of our Lord. Jesus, in our gospel lesson this morning, tells his disciples that he's going to do this. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus tells the disciples this actually a number of times in the Gospels. Finally, at his ascension, telling them to wait in Jerusalem for this to be fulfilled. And then says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. John Baptist also talked about the day of Pentecost. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, he said. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I would like to remind us that fear is worthless in the Christian life, except the fear of God. Fear of man and fear of everything going on out there in the big bad world, that doesn't help us. We have dealt with fear and even panic for weeks. Ten of them, to be exact. I counted. I know it felt like 30. Many of us have always lived mostly in fear. Many of us have various levels of fear that we allow to creep in and overwhelm us at times. But this is not the way to live the Christian life. We have the power of God in us. Jesus says that the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the Helper. That's the power of God. That is God. He will send the... Jesus says the Father will send the Holy Spirit that He may abide with you... (coughs) Excuse me. Abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Christian knows God because God the Holy Ghost dwells within the Christian. This is a theological reality, but it is also an experiential reality. It is, if you will, sacramental. It comes from the initiation rite that we call holy baptism. St. Peter says towards the end of the chapter from which our epistle lesson is taken, and from the end of his sermon in that chapter, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says to Bishop Titus, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The washing of regeneration, or as one text puts it, the bath that... the bath that brings about new birth. The washing 
is clearly a connection to baptism. And regeneration means in common parlance today to be born again. In baptism, we have a renewing of the Holy Spirit in us, whom God poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. This sounds very much like part of St. Peter's Sermon on Pentecost, from which I've already quoted the end. Earlier, Peter says, This Jesus being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Baptism includes the gifting of the Holy Ghost to those baptized. Faith is needed to benefit from the sacraments. All of them. But it is God's work in the sacraments. Not our work that makes the sacraments real and effectual. A little earlier than our gospel reading today, in chapter 14 of St. John's Gospel, we see Jesus responding to Philip's request to be shown the Father. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? This is a unique relationship. Indeed, it is the relationship of the Holy Trinity, which is beyond our comprehension, obviously. It is a deep and abiding relationship. And this is the type of relationship that the triune God is offering us in holy baptism and the Christian life. Jesus says in our gospel lesson, At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Our goal in the Christian life is to be in union with Christ. The sacraments begin, particularly the sacrament of holy baptism, begins that union. And the sacraments and the word and Christian life continues that process of becoming more and more at one with Christ, in union with Christ. So it's a now and a not yet. It's both. We are, by virtue of baptism, in Christ. But yet, our goal is to be more in Christ every day. Our liturgy, the words of our worship service, the ones we will use this morning, remind us of what we're about. And here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies to be reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice unto thee. This comes out of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. It's almost a quote. And this, this giving of ourselves to God every time we come to the table in Eucharistic worship, this self-oblation would be the theological term. This giving of ourselves is the new, the new covenant equivalent to the whole burnt offering of the old covenant. It is our offering of all of us and all that we possess, all that we control, all our time, everything. We give it to God. And we give it to God in our worship. And the implication is that as we go out and live out that worship, we will also live out that self-oblation, that giving of ourselves to God. 
The prayer continues, humbly beseeching thee that we and all others who shall be partakers of this holy communion may worthily receive the most precious body and blood of thy son, Jesus Christ, be filled with thy grace and heavenly benediction. So we offer up ourselves to God through Christ. And we pray to receive Christ Jesus. There's an interaction in worship. Though we are not worthy to offer anything, which our prayer also approaches, yet it's our bounden duty to give to God all that we have. And because of Christ's atonement and work on the cross, we can actually do that. For our offering is wrapped, if you will, in the blood of Christ as it goes to heaven. Finally, in this sentence of our prayer is the request that we might be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him. This is the same language Jesus uses in our gospel lesson. You will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And it happened at our baptism. And it continues to happen as we partake of the Lord's Supper, of the body and blood of Jesus. We are brought more and more into union with Christ. And we work that out and continue to work that out in our prayer life by joining in the offices of the church, here at the church or home, by having a devotional life, by starting to learn to pray unceasingly. All these things continue to move us towards Jesus and union with him. The connection that we have with God through holy baptism and through participation in the life of his church is deeply real and personal, and relational. Christ is in us and we are in him as he is in the Father. And this is all by the power and operation of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way for us to accomplish this. The sacraments are means of grace to us by the operation of God the Spirit. My friends, we have the power of God himself in us why should we fear man why should we panic instead i would suggest that we love our neighbor that we serve our friends and be hospitable to strangers i would suggest that we have received power in our baptism because of the because the holy spirit has come upon us And we should be witnesses to Jesus in our neighborhoods, our communities, and to the ends of the earth. Amen.